Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, wake the kids, phone the neighbors. And you, you, you're, you the, the way you brand your thing is uh, as like fans of Letterman and worshiping yes. Letterman a little bit, right? Right. We 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 brand it as uh, it's Wake the Kids and Phone the Neighbors, a Letterman tribute podcast. So we're looking generally what we're looking for is just Letterman uh, people who are either influenced by Letterman, uh, people who worked for Letterman, people who didn't work for Letterman, just yeah. anybody that Letterman adjacent. Yeah, Letterman adjacent. Anybody that just has uh, any kind well, of type listen, of feeling about everybody Letterman. Everybody, my listen. Everybody my age, certainly in urban centers, and I think probably more like around the world, everybody my age was influenced by Letterman. Sure. There were two guys. There was Letterman and there was the, there, there was Carson, the old school, mm-hmm. who our parents loved and a lot of people my age even loved because mm-hmm. of his dry wit and intelligence right. uh, and sophistication. And then there was Letterman, who was considered, you know, the newcomer, the upstart, the rebel. Yeah. The super sarcastic guy. I, listen, I thought he was, I thought he was too mean. <laughs> I had I had friends that adored him, but I'm like, this is something. There's something like there is an arrogance. I, the, the sarcasm. I like to tell people who get sarcastic with me. Sarcasm is the tool of the week. Sure. So, uh, um, and in a lot of, a lot of times it is, uh, because there is a kind of condescension built into it, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, he picked on the little people sometimes, and he was a little mean sometimes. And I, I, I preferred now. Now, by the way, it wasn't Carson and Letterman; it was Leno and Letterman, and it was Carson, Leno, and Letterman. Basically. Right. Sure. Nobody ever doubted how great Carson was ever. Right. You know, I mean, you could say he's old and he's for my parents, but nobody doubted how great he was. Yeah. People doubted both. It was Leno and Letterman. That was the fight, and Leno was super sincere, mm-hmm. super like guest friendly. And, you know, and Letterman would take you apart, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely true. I uh, I grew up uh, on Carson, and then yeah. about 13, 14 years old, here comes Letterman. And uh, it it just spoke to a, a kid coming into his own, um, especially a, a male kid in the 80s. Um, it just hit that sweet spot for me. And so it was... When did you start, by the way? When did you actually start? When did you start David Letterman's show? When did that come up? Uh, it was 1981, I believe. The year I graduated from Yale University, by the way. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you, you graduated from Yale in... What, what did you take there? Well, 
I was on the nine-year plan at Yale. Am I being interviewed right now, by the way? Yeah, absolutely, if that's okay with you. I'm on air? No, 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 no. We're recording. We're we can recording. we can edit awesome. out anything anything we say here. All right. Um, so far, I think I've made it through without being too obnoxious. Oh, um, no, you're good. But some of the asking you questions about you probably want to cut out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a mystery. I don't want anybody to know. I started, I started uh, in class of 76, and I graduated in 84. Okay. Some of my film stuff comes in there. So um, I dropped out after my freshman year. Okay. Knowing I wanted to go back. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I basically didn't finish a couple of my courses. Right. Um, because I was an English major like an idiot. <laughs> I had 14 papers to write. I'm a really slow writer sure. and a really slow reader. Okay. So it was a difficult major for me. You know, I love the English language and I love reading certain things. Yeah. Um, mostly poetry, you know, and an occasional novel. You know. So I haven't eaten all that, so I'm eating. I just I ate a Heath bar and I'm about to eat a pork <laughs> okay. peppermint patty. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Lunch, lunch. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, mom taught me well. I'm I'm still on the coffee, so uh, yeah, we're 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 in good company here. Um, well, you're also three hours earlier. Um, it's true. Are you two hours or three hours? We one. are one. Yeah, just one hour. It's, it's yeah, one, one hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're in the central yeah. time zone. Yeah. So I, I just want to know a little more about your compatriot there. Sure. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I can hear you just fine. So, uh, yeah, my name's uh, Rusty, originally from England, but I go by Rusty. Uh, that's a nickname that kind of uh, came along because of King of the Hill. There's a character on King of the Hill called Dale Gribble who has an alter ego called Rusty Shackelford. And, uh, and that's you. That's you. And that's, and that's where Rusty comes from, absolutely. I don't hear any British, by the way. No, sir. You I've been here. I've been in the States since 96. So I was six years old when I moved here. So, uh I'm I'm as Texan I guess as the the next guy so. So where did, where in Texas do you grow up and how old are you and where did you go to college? I'm uh I'm 31. I grew up in uh, Waco. I've lived in Waco exclusively since 1996. I left Waco one time to go to a smaller town north of Waco, but it's just a, a nondescript town. Uh, you blink, you miss it kind of town uh, when you're driving through. Uh, for college, I started out in uh, my early 20s, and I did three and a half years of community college and uh, realized that I was never going to make any money in college. So I went to a factory. I worked at a factory for six and a half years uh, making snicker bars. Actually, uh, any snicker bar you've eaten in the United States was made right here in uh, Waco. I love a snicker bar. I don't love it more than other candies, but I love these candies. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I like a snicker bar. Yeah, so uh, I produced those for six and a half years, worked on the production line in different capacities there. And then uh, around COVID, uh, I'd put my wife through school, and uh, she's a teacher, but I put her all the way through school, and she told me, uh, you're unhappy and unfulfilled packaging candy and making candy and all that. So uh, she said, well, go ahead and quit your job since COVID's, you know, COVID was going on. She said, explore what you want to explore. So we're kind of, uh, I'm kind of on the edge of exploration at the moment. That's cool. Very cool. Well, you're doing a podcast, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's a part of the exploration, making making phone calls and bothering people on Instagram, trying to get interviews with, uh, <laughs> you know, different people that uh, I personally enjoyed a lot of, uh, whether it be movies or TV shows or whatever, you know, just reaching out and contacting people that I never would have thought would have answered in a million years. But 
here we are. So let me ask you guys one. I'm just curious about this. Do yeah. either of you guys ride a horse on a daily basis? No, it's it's been uh, biweekly. Many 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 moons okay. since I've ridden a horse. Yes. Okay, that's what I figured on the nerd, but but uh, on, <laughs> it's not Travis. Is what I call you, Rusty? Rusty, Rusty. yes, sir, Rusty. Yeah. Yeah. So now, Rusty, when's the last time you were actually on a horse? The last time I was actually on a horse, uh, probably a year ago. Actually, oh, wow. probably so a year horse- ago. There are horses around. People do act like cowboys around you. Uh, mm, we have we have fake cowboys, um, which means they have uh, large trucks. Uh, they can yep. wear yep. they can wear cowboy hats. Um, I would say okay. those are mostly for when they go out dancing and things like that. Uh, we do see cool. we do see large belt buckles on a daily basis. Um, nice, yeah. nice. I do too, by the way. But <laughs> a lot of cowboy know, boots. Urban, they're urban cowboys, you know. Well, you we know have yeah. we have our fair share of urban cowboys. We do, uh, but I, I feel like even the urban cowboys in Texas, they, uh, you know, usually it's dad that did all the hard work, and then the, the son gets to yeah. reap the benefits, yeah. and uh, he keeps the lifestyle and the culture with well, the belt buckles. Let's, let's, let's just say thing. Let's just say this. Uh, I, whatever this means, and I don't, I don't mean to disparage anybody, but sure. you know what we would what we used to see as real men. There's a very, very short. There's a, let's just say there's they're few and far between these days. Right. Yeah, I would. I'll I, agree with that. I would. I, I mean, would certainly. And agree I'm, with I'm that. talking about you know I'm talking about a, you know what is somewhat a cliche, but also like like a like a John Wayne or frankly a Gary Cooper or sure. a, yeah you know a Roy Rogers being I mean people would have called him a fake cowboy, but a I Gene Autry him. type. Yeah, I don't. Gee, yeah, yeah. It, very Happy few. Trail <laughs> to you. Very few, uh, we meet again. very few. Very few of the cowboys again? around here ever break into song. Um, we don't. We don't see a lot of the uh, the guitars being pulled out of the backpacks. And see, and that's why I probably would just be a, a fish out of water and an embar- <laughs> or an embarrassment where you are. I'd come. I'd want to break into song pretty sure. much every hour. Yeah, I get you that. You know, my, my so I have an identical twin who went to Harvard. Oh, let me get that out right oh. there. Uh, he's five minutes younger than I am. He has a whole mythos about how we're the uh we're some 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 version of jacob and uh and esau okay because esau was the older brother jacob was the most more famous one but jacob would never have made it out of the womb without holding on to his older brother's ankle who pulled him out of the womb basically he didn't really want to come out sure and then <laughs> jacob went to thank him jacob went and stole esau's birthright so they had some troubles uh <laughs> And you know what? W- Jacob did not come fully into his own and become the Jacob that is now, I guess, in some way, you know, uh, uh, appreciated. Let's just say around the world among sure. Christians, and yeah. uh, he didn't he didn't lie down where all ladders start. You know, I'm quoting Yates now in the foul rag and bone shop of the heart. Uh, until he was able to surrender to the fact that his brother was more uh, powerful than he was, a certain way. Yeah, that, so is, that was the that's that's quite a lesson. So, so between you and your brother, who holds your birthright now? I would say it's fairly mutual uh, <laughs> uh, because of my largesse. I got you. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I mean, if I wanted most of it or all of it, I think I could have it. You know. <laughs> I'd have it's, to kick his ass, but sure, but sure. Be enjoy- it might be enjoyable. Who knows? <laughs> so, so do you guys get along? Well, what do you think based on what I've said? 
I think maybe you you have your uh, your squabbles, but I think overall you probably get along. Well, I would say we love each other deeply mm-hmm. and are very close in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I want to kill him. You yeah. know, I mean. You know. Oh so, yeah, I feel the same I, way and, about and my I will brother. Tell you, yeah. I will tell you that we went into couples therapy at the age of 67 years old. Wow. Okay. To work out, to, you know, work out. Uh, well, I have some of our differences. I will tell you this, Jay, that um, um, I had two, uh, we, we had a set of twins uh, that, yep. that grew up in our house. And yep. um, we had one large room that they could be in. And then we had to split them into smaller rooms. It- and yeah. then they wanted to go back, and then we had to split them up again. So I, I know whereof you speak. Uh, Are uh, they fraternal kinda. or identical? Identical. 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 Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That brings its own unique. Uh, you know. Yeah. They they love each other, but they hate each other all at the same time. Well, isn't that always the case? I mean, that's sure. husband wife too. No. Oh, yeah. If I say anybody that's close, I'm just saying if I say that out loud, Jay, I've got problems. Really? Well, as far as as you know, wife goes. I'm not. Oh. I'm not saying that anywhere out loud. Oh, so you I, so Jay, like most so yeah. like most husbands, you're enslaved. Well, you're Jay, I will tell you this. Uh, I have some practice. This is my third marriage. So uh, this is wow. The, this is. I'm hoping this is the nerd. This this is this is fifty two year old. I hope you're not thirty one or whatever. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. He, he, I'm, I'm working on what? number one. He I'm gets on one every one. ten you years. Yeah. The third one, funny, the first two demanded that I stop fucking chewing tobacco. And I said, <laughs> whose world do you think this is? And it didn't work out. Boy, so the third you, one actually accepts. She actually chews tobacco with me. And if, it's fucking awesome. If you only knew how close you are to the story. <laughs> you know? <laughs> did, did I mention that I started doing stand-up comedy? No. Honestly. When did that start? About six weeks ago. So okay. this is kind of fun. Well, I just didn't it know. I didn't know if it was going to start on this call or or when it was going to start. <laughs> so here's a. Well, it just started just a little. Gotcha. Right, I just sure. a little bit. Sure. I, I kind of am trying to do comedy all the time now. It's become obsessive. That's cool. Um, no, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, like I literally, I identify with Dave in a sense of when he's there in the moment, poised with anybody, and this is yeah. since he started. He's looking for the inroads to comedy, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Usually, scathing comedy, right? Laughing at people, but, absolutely, um, yeah. But I, listen, I actually think he's changed. I think you know most people get more cynical over the years, and I, I, I think I mentioned this to you guys in, in a text. I believe that Dave has become more sincere and kind of uh, almost I, now borderline sappy yeah. now. Does he listen to these 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 casts by the way? Podcasts? I would hope I'm, so. I mean, that's the goal. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I mean, if he doesn't if he doesn't listen to him, I, I don't know. I mean, I get you guys are sort of whistling in the dark. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We we <laughs> he are. He knows about he knows about it. Right? He does. Well, he does know about it, and uh, he, might, he probably has some people that listen to it. I would imagine Morty, his uh, his old producer, does follow us, and so uh, he knows we exist as well. So we're we're hoping that at some point the roads cross. Now is Morty? Tell me his full name. Is it John? What's it's his name? Robert Morton. And now I met Robert Morton mm-hmm. back way back when. I mean, he he was a New Yorker, and I was a New Yorker, and I am a New Yorker. So I met. He's a, he's a he's a. I think I actually I admire him. Let's just yeah. say I respect him. 
Yeah, he was, he's done a good job over a lot of years. And he's he's he is currently a, um, a real estate agent in the state of, in the state of California. Absolutely. So he I is, think for a little while he may have had some TV shows, one or two. Yeah. I mean, uh, aside from Letterman. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's produced quite a bit of stuff. So having said that, Jay, can well, we... why is he why is he selling real estate though? I, I mean, know. Just, well, I the, some of the homes that he's selling are the the some some magnificently uh, expensive homes. So yeah. I imagine there's some of that probably. He's in to the it. he's in the high end real estate market. Yeah. Let's just say why don't you just say hey, because he's greedy. He wants more money, even though he has a ton of fucking money. How about that? Well, let me go. Let may... me go. Let me go back to Letterman in the. You know, in the '80s, he's a greedy motherfucker. Come let on. me uh, let me do a let me do a little bit of a callback here. Maybe he lost it all on the ponies. On the witches? On the ponies? Uh, oh wow! You know, maybe. By the way, might... I, I I love the ponies myself. <laughs> I'm gonna probably play the ponies in a couple of days. Yeah, I'm gonna be in Monticello. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I don't know if they're running up there, but I, but I can go to the sports book in the casino and play the ponies. Sure. No, I do not know that Robert Morton lost all his money on the ponies. I want to make that very clear. I'm just saying that that could be a thing. Maybe maybe he lost it all. The, Who knows? Could be, could, be the, could be the ladies, too. Yeah, it could be. Could be the lady ponies. <laughs> could be female ponies, correct. <laughs> so, Jay, um, can we talk to you a little bit about your career? Sure, yeah. So you have done uh, quite a bit of work with Chris Tucker. I was on the phone with him yesterday for 45 minutes, weirdly enough. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, that's not typical. I mean, I, I, don't, I only speak to him once or twice a year, but I spoke to him for a full 45. He, I told him I'd start doing stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah? So go ahead. What did he, yeah. think, what did he think about that? He thought it was hilarious, and I told him some of my jokes. He was like, that's funny. You, got, <laughs> you have a new career. I said, listen, I have a new ho hobby. I mean, I'm not calling this a career until sure. the money starts rolling. In, sure, and sure. Which would probably be never. Right, I get that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. like, like I most. I told him I bombed in Harlem. I, the first time I went up, which was literally just about five weeks ago, six weeks ago. Yeah, it was right around six weeks ago. I ran into a guy on a Wednesday. I told him a few jokes. He goes, you're funny. You should stand up. I said, that sounds like fun. Well, if you're uh, on Friday, on Friday I stood up. He had a comedy club. So wow. uh, two days later, wow. And in, and in you're Brooklyn. you're saying you bombed there? No, no, that was in Brooklyn. I killed the first time I went. I mean, I did well. Let's just say sure. that the first time I went up, and they, so well that they wanted to book me in other places. I went to Harlem. I did okay. I did pretty good in Harlem the okay. first time. Uh, the second time I was in the same place in Harlem. A week later, I bombed. I bombed. so yeah. the autobiography. Uh, that I'll never write, uh, w would say I bombed in Harlem. There you, know? you go. I bombed in Harlem. That's a, well, that's, that's a little bit of a badge too, right? I mean. Well, I, I, it's just, a, what it is, it's a good title, a badge. I, I don't believe in badges that make you look bad. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's an emblem of some kind, but it's not, a, it's not a bad. I, I like badges that make you look good or, or denote power. Sure. Badges that are like, oh, look, I'm, along with a lot of other comedians, I bombed in Harlem. It doesn't feel like, I literally looked up, and there's a guy grabbing my mic on. Time's up. I'm like, but I'm not finished. <laughs> <laughs> so so you would you would equate it more to a uh, I gave blood or I voted badge? Exact, no, exactly. Yes, yeah, I gave so, blood in Harlem would, would say it. Yes, that's, it. that's right. That's right. I could also, how about... I, I'd rather say my first time up, I just, I killed, Yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I don't like to harp on my failures. I'm very well aware of that. Well, and they do affect me every day. But I'm reminded of the Jackson Brown line, which is, uh, 
you don't need, basically stop reminding me of my failures. I'm well aware of them. <laughs> that's 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 a great quote from Jackson Brown. Um, yeah, and by the way, it probably means a lot to you guys. You're both married. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah. Plus, I'm well aware of my my flaws and my failures. So tell me what it's like working on a rush hour. What does uh, what does a producer do for a movie like Rush Hour one, two, or three? That's funny. My my uh, my son Eli Stern, who who just wrote and directed an excellent movie called California King, and you can look that up both Google and Instagram, yeah. et cetera. It, Absolutely. It, and by the way, it is a very funny movie, and my son did a great job. Uh, Eli Stern, Fallout. Uh, <laughs> so he asked me when he was about, I think about eight or nine years old, what, what do you do that? Are you the director or producer? I said, I'm the producer. Who's the director? Uh, Radner's directing. Mm. What's the difference? I said, well, several million dollars for one thing if you're <laughs> successful at the directing. Sure. Uh, you can be a successful producer and you're at maybe a million and a half two tops up front and a director is usually at five, you know? Uh, so, and that's in the heyday of Hollywood, I, you know, because I only have two or three toes left in that world. Right. Uh, I don't know what the current thing is. I do know everybody's been ratcheted down some and, and back ends are more rare than they ever were, et cetera. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. what happened is during the writer's strike, uh, some years back, I believe it was the writer's strike. Um, the uh, the studio sort of like sort of took some time to think and said, "We're giving away too much money." In particular, there was a a move by Paramount, uh, Sumner Redstone, kind of realized, "Wait a second, we paid Tom Cruise a whole bunch of money already up front, and now he's going to make money on the back end before we do." Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. Sure. So uh, so everything got changed, including. Basically, people say we're not giving a first dollar gross anymore. Just, I think they get around it sometimes. Right. Because as you as you may have heard, there are unscrupulous people in Hollywood. No. Uh, there are, Take that back. There are people that seem to lack in, uh, basic basic uh, integrity. Sure. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So. Uh, so are you saying that so, you you've run across a few of those people? Yeah, I have. Okay. I, I tried to avoid them, but it was you know yeah, yeah. and listen. Obviously, that's degrees. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I run across somebody that's totally evil, but I'm saying, yeah, yeah, partly evil. Yep. Sure, sure. So uh, let's say partly dishonest and not really so interested in keeping their promises. Let's just say that. Yeah. So me uh, me personally being a fan of uh, foreign films and classic movies and stuff like that, and Jackie Chan being both of those things, foreign and classic, what was it like working with him? Because that's my biggest... Uh, that's one of my I'll, favorites. I'll give you a background. I'll give you. A, it was great. I mean, he's a great guy, an unbelievable guy. Uh, he's exactly my age, by the way. Mm. Meaning, he's I think two months older than me. Okay. So you know, I think it shows when you know he looks a little more aged than I do at this point. I think maybe by two or three months. You know. Yeah, he's rough. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's actually weird. That, uh, he looks like you know, he looks like he could still do his own stunts, and I'm not sure that's true. Good, good, good living. Let's say he can do some of his own stunts. Jackie, if you, if you hear this ever, I mean, of course <laughs> he can do some of his own stunts. Sure. Uh, I actually have a bit in my stand-up that I haven't used, which is, no, I used it once. It didn't get too good a laugh. It was the third, it was that, 
bombing in Harlem. <laughs> I said, you know, Jackie was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris was amazing. And the, I mean, listen, they're two very sweet people, which comes across on the screen, which is one of the reasons why I think it was as successful yeah. as it was. Yeah. You know, Chris has an unbelievable aura. Uh, you know, he, he's the kind of guy who walk into a room and everybody looks at him yeah. because he's, He's got energy emanating off of him. Even mm-hmm. if he wasn't funny, he he would attract a lot of attention because he's just one of those beings, you know. Right. I can see uh, that from his movies for sure. That's why I mean, that's why Rush Hour for me was a really big movie as a kid. Was just the yeah. uh, the energy that he puts out, and then the energy combined with just two of them in the same space. It was just it was just a movie yeah, I couldn't not watch. I used to say one plus one equals five. Sometimes you get that, you know, mm-hmm. the combination of the mm-hmm. two. You know, Jackie's physical comedy and action and, you know, actual, you know, skills as a kung fu mm-hmm. uh, and also his his deadpan, you know, I mean, he's a foil for Chris's craziness, yeah. right? He's a great straight man. Great straight man. He's going, he's like literally, he's like literally Abbott to, uh, to yeah. you know, Castell, yeah. you know. Yeah. One guy going nuts and not being able to hold it together. The other, like, tell me what the problem is. <laughs> yeah. No, that's classic. That's you classic. know who does it amazing? I'll reference another movie that I did, which is Jason uh, Jason Bateman is the greatest foil, I think, living. I mean, he's just unbelievable at it. Right? So so I am, I'm sitting here, and I was just showing that to Rusty. I, I wanted to talk about Jason Bateman and, and the Horrible Bosses franchise. Well, um, let's stay on Rush Hour for a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. So, listen, I was lucky enough, I had, a, I had a good friend by the name of Mike Stenson who developed the original Rush Hour at uh, Simpson Bruckheimer. Maybe it was just Bruckheimer when he was, went over there right. at the Bruckheimer, Jerry Bruckheimer's company. Mm-hmm. And I think Joe Roth didn't get it, and, and they put in a turnaround at Disney. I mean, the truth is, the truth is that Jackie was completely unproven. Sure. Uh, you know, sure. and there hadn't been an action comedy in a while that had done any business. So I don't blame anybody. But you just didn't see what could be. But we'd worked with Chris Tucker. I worked with Chris Tucker on Money Talks. DeLuca had worked with Chris Tucker on Friday and uh, then on Money Talks with me. Mm-hmm. And we knew we had like a star ready to happen, not just his talent, but like on Money Talks, it did outsize DVD sales and, and rentals because the white suburban, there weren't many theaters in the white suburbs that kids could go to. Right. So, you know, so it did big business and, and, and sort of new, new line marketing distribution. And there are a lot of smart guys in New line. Uh, Bob Shea and uh, uh, sadly deceased uh, Michael Lynn. Right. Uh, and, uh, the domestic, the guy in domestic, Mitch Goldman, was uh, head of marketing distribution, and m- m- honestly, more than anybody else, Mike DeLuca was sharp as a tack, uh, and and had a great gut, and kind of wanted this. The moment we realized we could get it, when did it turn out? It went as it turn around at Disney. I get a phone call from the producer Arthur Sarkissian saying, "I have sole turnaround rights," despite other people sort of claiming rights, mm-hmm. and. Um, I went. I literally walked the eighty feet down to DeLuca's office. I said, "Arthur, Arthur just told me something interesting. He has sole rights." And Mike said, uh, "I think it's time we start um, just kind of 
dangling a hunk of meat in front of Arthur, <laughs> which we did. And the rest is history. And, you know, there, they had, there was some question of Universal wanted to buy it. And I think Martin Lawrence was unofficially attached at the time. And right. so I, uh, so we just worked with Chris. So we, we put Chris together with Jackie and that's, and by the way, I think Martin would have been great in it too. Oh, sure. We just were very familiar. I mean, he's talented as hell, but, uh, we were very familiar with Chris and we, we knew he was a star about to explode. So yeah. we knew we could get him relatively inexpensively and get a bang for a buck. So, yeah, yeah, no, you, you certainly made a star out of him. He, um, I, I mean, he made a star out of himself, but still, uh, that franchise, I think, uh, sent him into the stratosphere. Oh yeah. I mean, by the way, it made him rich. <laughs> sure. That's what I mean when I say stratosphere. I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny, I'll tell you a funny anecdote on Saturday. So they do, they're, they're getting all the returns in New York. They, you know, Michael Lynn was with John Glickman, one of the producers, uh, sitting in the lanes and the returns are coming in on Saturday. We did a very healthy 10 million on Friday night. Right. And it literally John Glickman sort of, you know, talking to Michael Lynn and seeing the returns is there. And we, you know, telling me, give me the update every 15 minutes. They said, you know what, we're going to do around 12 million for Saturday night, which means it's a hit. Right. It's like, it goes, if it goes up 20% on Saturday night like that, it's a hit. Yeah. And Chris Tucker started running down Melrose. I was with Brett Ratner, several of his friends and Chris Tucker. And, uh, Chris starts running down Melrose Avenue screaming, I'm rich, I'm rich. <laughs> and he was, he was rich. Yeah, I mean, he blew it in about five years. He spent it all like, like a Chris, you're fine. I love you, but you, I know you, you, you had to support your whole family. He does part of it in his stand-up. He goes, what do, you, what do you mean you quit your job? This is my, this is my, this is my money. <laughs> I just, I just got rich. I don't, I don't want to be supporting you. Yeah. Yeah, I it, it, you hear that story a lot, uh, folks that hit it big, and then all of a sudden there's there's the, a whole, of, the, the whole families quit their job. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of family that comes out of the woodwork that uh, you didn't right, necessarily yeah. know By was the there. Way, it's like, I didn't even know you were family. It was like, what do you mean <laughs> you're right. my third cousin? I don't know you that's shit. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you just you, you, yeah, you didn't know me last week. I know I know people whose friends growing up think they deserve something for just having been their friends growing up. Honestly. Yeah, we're, That's a thing. we're back to the uh, to the, the less scrupulous of, of, of humans. Well, well, you could look at it slightly differently. You could say, yeah. you know what? This guy got very lucky. He's very wealthy. Why not share it with his friends? Sure. And what, more of a socialist, like uh, everybody should, nobody should be that rich anyway. He gets some to his friends. Right. How about it? Right. You know, so I kind of favor that because otherwise, you, you know, pretty much everybody's to blame. I, I need to, uh, I need to find one of those friends. Well, you know what? You suck up to enough people, I'm guessing you'll find one. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm trying real hard. I mean, you just need, you, you just need I mean, do you know how to juggle balls, by the way? I mean, you know, because you, you need talent in Hollywood. To, you need real sucking up talent in Hollywood. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, it's not just, oh, you're wonderful. I used to say one of the reasons I even laughed in Hollywood is because I could eat shit and, and act like it was really delicious. <laughs> I'm sure that is a talent. Yeah, I'm sure that is a talent there. No, I honestly had that talent. It's like, yeah. oh my God, so I, I don't want to mention. I'm going to say Ricardo. Ricardo, I thought it's the most tasty shit you've actually delivered upon me into my mouth. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for shitting in my mouth. <laughs> 
So, so uh, I'm going to look back on this. No, by and, the way, I love Ricardo. Honestly, Ricardo was a wonderful boss. He really was. So, if he ever hears this, yeah, Ricardo, I swear to God, I believe you were a wonderful I, boss. I'm just going to look back on this and say that was the moment that Jay Stern said, "Thank you for shitting in my mouth." That was. <laughs> <laughs> And now a word from our sponsors. So, Jay, can you, you know, you mentioned Jason Bateman. Um, Jason Bateman, to me, is very much in that Letterman stratosphere. Uh, No, I I totally agree. I think he's incredibly talented with comedy. I think in a way, like he knows he's talented. I mean, I think he knows he's talented, but his we had a conversation after we after we had you know edited after Seth Gordon edited the movie. I said I got it, and I called Jason up and I said, "The moment after Charlie blows all that cocaine up in, in that huge uh, plume of cocaine, and he starts saying Charlie starts jabber jibber jabbering about you know why he did it or what happened or whatever it was, and Jason waits. I think it's a full 20 seconds and this says is that what you think it was it, honestly a priceless moment if you ever see the movie again it is it is brilliant it's pure brilliance on jason's part honestly jason uh, jason is, is has been one of my favorites uh since uh, it's your move you know, the, development was the, where I first the, watched him. Well, I, you know, when he was a kid. Since which movie? He, Since which movie? Well, when he was a kid, he had a, a TV show on NBC called It's Your Move. And that, that was the first time I was introduced to Jason Bateman. Um, I think his, his sister was a bigger star at the time. I think yes, she had a more successful absolutely. show. Absolutely, she did. Yeah, uh, with uh, Family Ties. And yep. um, uh, I have... Jesus, you're really dating yourself, dude. Yeah, well, you know. It, it, I mean, <laughs> just, there were reruns. I mean, I guess there are... There are probably twelve year olds that are watching the same but I'm, thing. But I'm I'm just saying. I mean, take a look at me. I, I date myself every day, so it's not it's not that's not a problem. Um, but Jason has been one of those folks that uh, again is I I have this reputation of of really enjoying the work of people that are just a little bit mean, maybe. Um, very. Oh no, J- Jason has a little mean edge. Sure, he does, sure. But, He's very yeah. very funny, but very dry and a little bit mean. So that uh, I think I think it would be a fun show to do like Letterman and the other kind of sort of meanies, yeah, or real meanies. Yeah. Like like to me, Letterman with Jason Bateman. I'm sure we can think of you know. Well, you, you just get us you get us the rights to use those words, horrible boss, and we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that podcast and just call it that. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, I think you might have the right. I think it's in the public domain. Dude. Ah, okay. All right. I, will, I mean, I, I, think it's a, I don't think you have to have legal permission to say, horrible uh, bosses. you know, or God or the Godfather, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, no, I think you can say it. It's, uh, it's, it's how fast will the studio show up at your house? You know what? Fuck them if they can't take a joke. You know, let <laughs> I don't think they'll bother suing you. I don't think they'll bother suing you. What, you know, but... So I say that, but I will visit you in jail if you end up in jail for that. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And and just one file in the cake is is plenty. Um, just one file. You know, yeah, just one file in I'm the cake. Say you'll get it. You'll get a cherry pie, and maybe you'll have a like a hash cookie like buried in it. There we go. So there's not going to be any file. Sure, now, I'll take that. No file. Now that cannabis is legal, you can get a hash cookie inside. Well, the cake. now, now, Jay, it is not legal in Texas. Yeah, we're living in purgatory mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah, you sound like you sound like 
you sound like a cow, a real cowboy, dude. I mean, which is great if you actually have culture, which, which I, I tend to doubt, by the way. But if you actually have some culture, then, then well, uh, you know, most of our culture, you, good, you have a good disguise. Most of our culture we get at Walmart at this point, but. But we we're working real hard on, on getting some more. Um, Very funny, by the way. Yeah. So so let me let me ask you a couple more questions, then we'll let you go. But um, you gotcha. You got just just let's let's bring it back to kind of the Letterman or that that time frame, right? So we're we're starting early '80s. We're ending uh, in the 2000s. Give me an idea of and and I, I don't know if you're the right person to ask this to, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, what what kind of influence does somebody like Letterman have on the industry as a whole? Because he had all the actors on, he had all the directors on, you know. And well, all but that. let me put it this way: everybody wanted to get their 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 actors and occasionally their directors sure. and, and writers. I mean, it's mostly actors, frankly. Right. Everyone wanted to get get their guys on the show. I mean, that and that was that's a huge amount of power, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing. Guessing he had a lot of nice gifts at Christmas, uh, you know. <laughs> I, and I'm guessing he drank a lot of the scotch and bourbon that was uh, under his tree. Oh, I don't doubt that. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that one bit. Um, so, by the way, he may be a twelve stepper now, but I, he, here's my contention about Letterman, and I actually yeah. think it's a nice transition. Sure. Uh, I believe he's gone from incredibly smart, incredibly edgy, you know, uh, and scathing, and like. He is the ultimate, I don't suffer fools gladly, and he lets you know it, right. you know, in sometimes in subtle ways. Uh, if you're too stupid to catch it, that's your problem. And then he's come a long way to being really super benevolent, I think, and yeah. really, really recognizing, like, people, like, with the latest interviews, like, uh, my hero is David Chappelle. Bar none, yeah. I think he's a heroic character in in America today. I mean, for real, I do. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, uh, who are the who are the heroes of your? I mean, uh, uh, Daniel Boone, David Crockett, uh, <laughs> William Barry you know, Travis. You're, yeah. you're you're really sticking with this Texas thing here, huh? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think either is David Crockett Texan because Daniel Boone. No, he's was. from Tennessee. Boone he's from Texas. he's from Tennessee, but they all they all converged. Yeah, no, t- they yeah. all died for Texas. They all they all converged here. Oh, okay. Like the Alamo or what? Yeah, we're we're well, about we're about three three and a half hours from the Alamo. They actually died for their right to keep slaves in Texas because Mexico said what? no, uh, you know, no more slaves, and so they said, well, we're going to die here on this hill. And now, who, uh, Davy Crockett died. Who? Uh, Daniel Boone didn't die down there. Yes, Davy Crockett. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Davy Crockett. You're right. Absolutely, Daniel. Daniel Davy Bo- Crockett. Yeah. Daniel Boone was. You know, Daniel Boone killed killed a a bear with his bare hand. Well, he it, had a knife, but he killed a bear when he was three. Knife. Yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> to, to quote the song, he killed a bear when he was three. Um, so he's, I, he's actually, a, a, believe it or not, an ancestor of mine. Oh, really? Mine is uh, Stonewall Jackson. Mine is Alvin C. York of uh, Sergeant Alvin. Ah, Sergeant. I oh, like Sergeant York. Sergeant, like Sergeant York. York. Alvin oh, C. York. Wow. Sergeant York. Yeah. See, I didn't know that either. God, see, he was see. Yeah. You guys are getting to know each other a little. How do you guys meet? We met uh, on a thing called the internet. Um, 
it uh i was looking hinge? was it hinge or you guys were basically trolling for lovers <laughs> yeah that's it that's it, it was, well it was it was i uh, mean you're married now but i mean yeah it was you know. it was plenty of fish is where we met but um we uh i, I was looking for a co-host for an 80s themed show and Rusty had uh, kind of been watching some of the stuff that we did and uh, some of the, the podcasts that we produce and uh, hit me up one day and said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do something like that. And then we met here at the studio and um, I guess it's, it's history after that. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, well, he, he wanted to do, like, like he said, an 80s theme. So I reached out to him, we met up, and then we got to talking about uh, – things that we were interested in to see what we could do mm-hmm. around the eighties. Cause I'm not a child of the eighties, but I was affected by the eighties as a child of the nineties. Now, now did you, I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. Uh, 52 year old nerd. Tell me what your name again, Mike, Mike. Yes. Did you actually sort of advertise or you just said you somehow knew he was following you and said, no, I'm looking for something. No, I, I just, uh, just openly advertised. Yeah. It said, uh, looking oh, for, cool. looking for a co-host for yeah. this type of show. And I've yeah. been in content creation since the beginning of YouTube. I've been, I've done dibbled and dabbled in it ever since then as a hobby. And, uh, so we sat down and discussed what we could do for an eighties themed show. And, you know, I don't really know a lot of eighties TV. I know some eighties TV, but we got to talking about David Letterman and David Letterman for me was pretty big as far as, uh, my teenage years and stuff like that. Cause I discovered weed in high school and around the same time, uh, I, I was watching a ton of late night TV because the only time that I could smoke weed was when my parents went to bed, which was right before late night started. So right before everything started, I would sneak out, sneak outside, you know, do my business. And then I'd come up and I'd sit there in my bedroom and I would watch all the way through until it started. You, you laughed laugh your ass off at David Letterman mm-hmm. basically doing his thing. And Craig mm-hmm. Ferguson too. Craig Ferguson was pretty huge for me as well. Cause I used to watch all the I way through. Him. He was smart. Yeah, very smart. Very funny. Very and and smart, he was yeah. really the target demographic that he was pointing at. Like, we were all watching him for sure. Like, everybody that I went to school with, we were all, you know, we would we would watch it at night. And then the next day, everybody's hemming and hawing about, oh, did you hear what Craig said or hear this joke from Letterman? So there was a few fans, a little, you know, a little small town in Texas. They did have some some pretty big fans. So basically, basically, there were the guys that, you know, rounded up the cattle and basically kicked ass. <laughs> And there were there were you guys, you know, you know, kind of giggling in the back. Sure, yeah, you were stable hands. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we, yeah. we did a lot of preparation for while, the Cowboys. Well, you know, once in a while, the, the you know the fullback on the football team would say, "Hey, boy, go get me my lunch." Sure, sure. No, I was uh, usually working. I was. Uh, my dad is a jack of all trades, and as soon as I could lift my arms, I was with him doing stuff. So, well, the other I never thing, got those uh, football or. You know, Friday night experiences. The other thing that people don't talk about is when the Cowboys have to hit the range, they leave the women behind. So there's opportunities to uh, to to meet meet new folks. Whoa, man, that's dangerous. Again, again, you get caught. Again, third marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you've learned your lesson. I have. I have. I've learned my lesson. The truth is, I'm going to tell you a joke, which is which kind of addresses it. Please. Moses came down from the mountain. You know what he told the people? What did he tell the people? I have good news and bad news, folks. I got it down to ten commandments. <laughs> the bad news is that adultery is still in. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, what I, 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 you know, I will bear witness, and not because of any behavior of my own at, at all, but I've noticed over the years that for most people, infidelity actually doesn't work. Yeah. You you can say I have an open marriage, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to give you one name 
where open marriage I don't think actually worked and that I'm going to tell you Will Smith's marriage did not yeah. did not benefit from open marriage in my opinion yeah or, no. or I feel an, bad for him or I feel like he's being held hostage. I feel bad for him too I feel like he's being held I, hostage I, I at this point I honestly feel really bad for him yeah I, I don't hear a lot of that because a lot of people want to go into blame or whatever but here's the truth this guy worked harder than any human being to have a good image and I'm telling you he worked small towns yeah overseas and made a name for himself in a way that Almost no actors have. Mm-hmm. He was huge internationally. Mm-hmm. That's almost unheard of for a man that is actually African American. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. He, by the way, he literally crossed boundaries. He set. You know, the guy worked incredibly hard, and it was all about good imagery. Yeah. And here, in one fell swoop, for whatever reason, this happens. That you know? is that is often the story, though. That that one one thing. Uh, brings down the entire kingdom. Yeah, that's why I personally don't. Uh, I don't put any. Uh, I mean, I know it was a tragic thing for comedy what happened on that night, but for me, uh, there's two sides to a coin, and oh, absolutely, there's 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 more issues there. You know what I mean? And I I, I personally, well, listen, I, I I believe he was laughing until he turned over to see his wife, and she she didn't seem happy at all, and then the whole thing changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's definitely something weird there. I don't I don't I don't purport to know uh, anything that's going on there. Uh, but I, I will say this about Will Smith that that I have always admired the man because he seems like such a hard worker. Number one, um, super hard worker. Yeah, su- actually super. I think super positive in yeah. many respects. Yes, I mean honestly wants to do good by the world and has for many years. So yeah. I, I I I commend him for all of that. Yep. You know, hard worker, you know, there were a lot of hard workers among the Nazis, too. You know, I mean, <laughs> hard worker doesn't get my, oh, he's a wonderful man because he's a hard worker. <laughs> you know, I guess. Yeah, he's a hard worker digging graves for the shoes well, that's, just that's, got fucking killed. That's, that's a Texas mentality, hard work. Yeah, that's one of the things that, uh, it's one of the qualities that you look for in well, a gal. There's, there's two different things. In a, in a gal, did you think? <laughs> yeah, when you're, when, you're, when, you're looking, yeah, when you're looking for a life partner in Texas, that's what yeah. you, you look for. You, I want a hard working, you, a hard working gal. You want, you want girls with a pretty face and hard worn hands. Uh, that way. Uh, but what about if they work really hard? Don't they have kind of bulky haunches and shit well i imagine so but when you've got a cattle ranch with 300 head of cattle you know I'm, I'm not sure you're worried about haunches you're uh you, you gotta have somebody who can wrestle a calf i will tell you this mr stern that uh i did not think the word haunches would come up in this conversation do you not use that word in texas i, I mean, don't i don't I, use haunches a lot but i, I it is very effective it's an well, elderly I think it's I think it's accurate. I was trying to find the right <laughs> word. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Yes, sir. When the doors close at night. Yes. And it's dark. Right. I think you're not. You might be worried about all those cattle out there, but I think you're worried about the haunches or lack thereof. <laughs> you are worried about the haunches. You're you're absolutely correct. And, there. and it's like okay, all the cattle are in the corral now. The haunches are here. If it's too haunchy, I, I, I may be looking to actually, you know, walk out the door. I have known a few girls that were too haunchy. Yes, it's Maybe all the cornbread. Happen these days? <laughs> no, no. There's, there's corn fed or cornbread. It's corn all the cornbread, corn fed cornbread. It's corn all the cornbread they. Eat. That's yeah, right, that's right. Yeah, no, no. I uh, there's there's still definitely a lot of haunches out there. By the way, yes, sir. Here's one of the things that I put in my act that it relates to haunches. You know, I, I'm I'm confused about the modern world. Honestly, I'm this. You know, I'm just aging Jew. I don't want to say old, but I'm certainly an aging guy. Sure. You know, uh, I'm I'm not. You know, 
I'm under, I'm over 50. Let's just say that. Let's not get too detailed here or specific, but I'm over 50. Right. And I just don't understand the modern world. We never had, what is a social influence? We never had that growing up. Yes. Like what, what are they trying to influence me to do or, or for? I, like, and I've heard that the Kardashians are some of the original or maybe the original social influencers. Mm-hmm. They're and there. here's, listen, they may be lovely people. I, if I had a dinner with them, I might want it. Like I said, please, Kim, adopt me. You know, I mean, who knows? <laughs> but I do have a bone to pick. Here's my bone to pick. What, what is this with, like, putting a whole ass right on top of your natural ass? Yeah. I, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, that is, that, I, is, that is not easily understandable. That throws me off. We didn't have that when I was growing up. It throws me off. So you didn't have the two asses when you were growing up. We, we, all, we had the one ass, of course, and it could be a big ass, a small sure. ass, a sure. ass. And and you were, it, I always actually favored, you know, personally, I'm not even saying it because I'm, I think I'm probably getting into, you know, the kind of territory where somebody says, time's up. Arrest that man! You know, Uh, I'm going to stop. By the way, I am I'm equal admirer of male and female and transsexual asses. I'll say it straight up. Sure, there you go. A good ass is a good ass. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just saying I don't like a double ass, especially when the the second ass is fucking not naturally growing out of the first ass. Sure, sure. It naturally grew somewhere, but uh, it was. In a lab. I'm not sure if it actually <laughs> a, grew somewhere. In a I controlled think it environment. Been, might have been grown. I might have been grown in some sort of weird petri dish out of a cell, like as a kind of a what? What do you call that? A clone ass. Well, a clone ass. You, I heard you, it was uh, in Okeechobee Swamp in Florida, <laughs> where they pulled the the molecular structure of that ass from. So you've you've seen on the back of those those mice where they grow the ears, right? Um, they, no, 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 and I don't want to. Yeah, okay? so so they will they will grow an ear on the back of a mouse. Uh, these asses are grown on the back of much larger mammals, but in the same fashion. Is that is that actually true? No, that's no, not true. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's good. Well, I'm imagining an elephant <laughs> with a fucking human ass grown on it. I'm imagining I'm imagining a, I'm a, uh, a pig or a hog with a human so, ass on the back of its neck. The the problem with that joke, Jay, is that I I couldn't commit in my brain to which mammal the ass was growing on. Oh, by the way, if you could have just said they pick out the big old hog in the swamp. <laughs> And it takes them about three months to grow a right. suitable size ass. Right. I mean, you know, maybe what, one or two of the Sarcassians had to grow it for six months because they had a super lot ass. <laughs> See, they had a super ass. See, that's why you're, you know, that's why you're you in know. comedy. And, but, you know, when they say baby got back, I guess you know, the cultural thing. I, I don't fucking know. I'm, I'm just saying I'm an old Jew that, and I just said, it, I'm an old Jew that's confused by the modern world. That's yes. all I'm trying to say. And you know what? That's a pretty good character. There's uh, there's a lot of people that have gotten a lot of mileage with that. I'm gonna t- well, that's actually true. If there's a history <laughs> to it, uh, Rich. But I have to credit Richard Brenner uh, at mm. New Line, who, who who actually was the executive on the Rush Hours with me. Yeah. Uh, along with a couple of the other guys there, and uh, DeLuca and Toby Emmerich, and mm-hmm. you know, bunch a bunch of monkeys, whole you know, the whole the whole crew. Sure. Uh, um, but all actually very, very good on the movies, on the rush hours. I mean, it, w- it was a team effort, and there was nobody giving stupid notes that anybody had to pay attention to, you know, yeah, yeah. which is a blessing. At a studio, you know, I did six years. My career was 
production in New York. You know, I worked on a movie called Tootsie and a few other, mm-hmm. Gong and Style, which was Marty Brest's first movie as a PA and then a, a location manager. And then I moved to Hollywood and kind of, you know, bounced around a little bit, but, you know, didn't get a real, helped manage some, some actors, didn't get a real job till I, wor- I went to work at Disney. For Michael, P- no, I, w- I went to work for Michael Pizer, who, and then ten months later, who went over to Disney, and then I worked with Michael over at Disney. Michael was a superb producer, who was one of uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg's favorites. So, um, so he did ruthless, he did ruthless people, he did big business. He was very good with comedy. Too. These these names are not lost on me. I promise you, it's a, that is a that is a who's who of of people making movies. And, uh, well, by for, the way, Michael Pizer was really the first guy to give me my first break. And I had a, gr- a wonderful, like, uh, uh, I guess a brunch with him about, about two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. We stayed good friends and he's a, he's a lovely, lovely guy. And, that's, uh, that's, about to... Staying good friends with people in Hollywood. Is that, is that hard? Well, it's rare. I don't yeah. know if it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it certainly has been hard for me. I mean, but by the way, I will tell you, I hope, I scoured the universe of Hollywood uh, and came up with about five friends, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's over, you know, I was there 35 years. I guess, I guess so. in, 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 in a person's lifetime though, I mean, if you, if you can come up with five good friends, you've done pretty well. I'm 31 and I can't think of, I can't think of more than like two. Yeah. I'm 31. That's, and I have like by the way, if you, if you have two or three at any given time, it yeah. actually, I think is enough. Yeah. I mean, I started as a very social being, you know, uh, again, being a twin and I'm, and I always like being around people and I basically like people, uh, but I have to say I've had people have disappointed me over the years and more concentrated in the Hollywood film. Problem with the film business is people can make money really fast. And the other thing is people, people think, no, there's nobody that doesn't think they can produce a movie. And a lot of people yeah. think they can write a screenplay too. Yeah. And, and, and they both have skills that nobody recognizes, meaning to be a really good screenwriter is really hard. Mm-hmm. Now, to be a really good producer of a certain kind may not be that hard if you're the line producer and you're really and, you know, you're tough enough and you have enough of a sense of, you know, accounting and you, you're focused. You can be a good line producer, mm-hmm. you know, meaning uh, you need to have something that's dealing with the director and the, uh, and the creative producer. So right. not everybody can do it, but most accountants that have any, any balls could do it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. basically you're, you're, you're getting their trains to run on time. You know, right. you're, 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 your only job is schedule and budget basically. Yeah. So if you include that about it, creative producers, very hard job, I believe, because you have to actually get a lot of different factions rowing the, the rowing the, uh, the rowboat together, you know, mm-hmm. rowing the, 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 the war canoe together, you know, and you know, one or two people rowing not together and the, fucks it up right so, right you're rowing in a circle that's it or or you're sinking you know yeah. and, and uh so it, you 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 have so brett went i mean brett eli stern when he asked me so what's the difference between producer and director i didn't finish that well it's a lot of money if you're both successful uh but also you know the director is the creative head he's the creative captain the movement the moment you, I can work on a screenplay for five years with three different writers. I can guide that process. I can come up with a screenplay that's really good, according to some people. 
And then once the director steps in, he takes it over creatively. Right. You hopefully have a relationship with the director where he listens to you so he doesn't just go completely off the rails mm-hmm. and ruin your life, you know. Mm-hmm. I know mean, God knows what a screenwriter actually thinks. I mean, I feel that way as sort of the editor of the screenwriter, right? Sure. So so um, directors can literally take you right uh, right off the cliff. I mean, and, and, and some actually improve the material. But I would actually say Brett improved the material a little bit because – he had such a great working relationship with both Jackie and Chris is, was the key. Right. You know, right. Uh, I mean, he understood Jackie's action and he let Jackie, you know, listen, the way Jackie does his thing is his, he's got five or six guys coming up in the fight. And then they tell him, we, we think these couple of moves are going to be the best next ones. And Jackie does them mm-hmm. unless he disagrees or he, he embellishes them. Yeah. He's got a whole team coming up with the moves, by the way, in real time. So, you can do a minute of a fight and have another three minutes left, and they're coming up with it in real time on wow. the set. Wow. On the set, because that's, that's how they do it. That's, that's how they do it. That's Hong Kong. That's, that's a Hong of, Kong style. That's a heck of a talent. Talent, though, to be able to do that kind of thing. I guess after a while, it's like it's like juggling, like you said. You know. Um, well, and by, by the way, if you've done twenty years of, if, if you've been in kung fu training since you were five sure. years old, and you're now twenty. It may not be that you know. It's like right, there, it's, you know, twelve to twelve different moves. Let's, well, it's second, I think it's, it's second, second nature, second, yeah, second second nature to nature. you at that point. Yeah, yeah, correct. correct. It's probably subconscious correct. takes over and they just pump out content. No, and, yeah. and no, and knows you know thirty. It's like a great comedian, by the way. My 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 uh, my soon to be ex. Uh, we're still friendly. Aren't we? Um, uh, <laughs> I just I. I <laughs> I, I picture you. I picture you checking your watch. You know, I'm going to tell you one other thing about. Yeah, please do. Uh, well, I just finished that one sentence, which is obviously drawn out and interrupted. Uh, I told my son Eli that um, my main job, I thought, was to actually focus Brett Ratner on what he should be focused on. Right. Uh, when because he has such a kind of a expansive mind, and he goes, you know, he has a bit of ADD, or he may actually be the poster child. Uh, and my job is to focus them up and remind them, okay, now we have to do this and we remember this and la la la, yeah. like a like a good producer serving, really honestly serving the director because if you you've hired somebody you hope is talented that you believe is talented and you want to serve their talent and get the the best version of the movie out of them possible, but it's their show creatively, and what my son said is, oh dad, you 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 have a tough job. Brett's a busy bee. He's a busy <laughs> bee making honey. Yeah. And which is true. Yeah. Uh, you're not, you, you know, uh, a lot of this is people harnessing each other, hopefully effectively, you know. Right, right. Well, um, we we certainly appreciate your time, and um, we thank you for giving us kind of a, a an inside look into not only your life, but uh, a little bit of Letterman, a, a whole lot of uh, – Jackie and and uh, everybody else. Chris uh, Tucker. Yeah, Chris, Chris, Tucker. Chris Tucker being being. Brett Radner. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of them. Okay, look, fantastic. Happy people. to chat on or on or off the air uh, okay. in the future. Uh, uh, best of luck to both you guys. Thank you, Mr. Yes, sir. We'd love to talk to you again. <laughs> we Thank appreciate you. it, and good luck in your comedy yep. career. Thanks so much. All right. Goodbye. Hey, thanks for joining us on Wake the Kids, Phone the Neighbors. I am Mike. And I'm Rusty. And join us next time for another episode of The Man from the City So Nice They Named It Twice. Wake the Kids at RogueMediaNetwork.com. Excellent. And we will see you next time. At the David Letterman Tribute Podcast. Okay, good enough.
ladies and gentlemen, wake the kids, phone the neighbors. Rogue Media Network. 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 Network.